Hey, what's going on, guys? It's Sunday, July 27th. Hope you guys are having a great day. And today, as you know, we're going to talk about PR. Now, this is something I don't really have experience with myself. So I got Conrad Agusa, founder at Publicize.co, where we're going to talk about PR. So he used to be a journalist at VentureBeat. So he's got a pretty interesting experience on uh, kind of how that world works and how you actually approach a journalist to get featured on uh, any publication. All right, and before we start, I got three events to flag to you guys. Uh, they're all happening in Austin, Texas. Uh, so earlier, I announced that I was going to do one myself, but uh, with these three, not anymore. It doesn't really make sense for me to do a fourth one and fly all the way there when there's also three awesome ones that you guys can go to. So the first one is uh, e-commerce fuel live uh, our friend andrew darian over at e-commerce fuel he's doing a event i think it's three days uh, august 22nd to 24th uh, in austin texas so uh, he's having guys like eric banhold from beard brand uh, bill de alessandro uh, ezra firesend who have all been on the show uh, they're going to do a conference for e-commerce store owners there and the tickets for this event i believe are 4.99 and i'll link to the sales page that's all of this uh, on this post so the second one is a dynamite circle mastermind with dan and ian over at tropical mba this event will take place on august 29th to 30th also in austin texas i think it's just a one day mastermind event uh, tickets i believe are 100 bucks i also link to the sales page there so if you listen to tropical mba uh, definitely something to consider. And the third one, uh, Smart Market Alive with our friend Ezra Firestone, September 26th to 27th. Uh, also in Austin, Texas, uh, I think his early bird price is 597 The question is, uh, which event do you go to? Since you know, I know all three of these guys, uh, they're all really smart guys, good friends. Um, so I took a quick look at the sales page. And uh, just to give you guys an idea, this is just kind of based off my intuition. So as far as demographics go, uh, I think Dan and Ian, the DC crowd, uh, it'll be a little bit more diverse. Uh, a lot of the guys in the DC are kind of younger. You get like e-commerce guys, some copywriters, bloggers, service guys, uh, guys in the internet marketing space, kind of more diverse crowd. And uh, it looks like it'll be a little bit more mature too. I was looking at the attendee list, the kind of guys in their, uh, well, men and women kind of in their late 30s-ish that are going to be going uh, or older. So uh, take that for what it's worth. Uh, just kind of my initial impressions. Now, now one thing also the DC values is the lifestyle component. So uh, kind of if you're interested in like philosophy, fitness, uh, things like that, this is probably the crowd you want to go to. And next, uh, e-commerce fuel. Uh, Andrew has a forum called uh, e-commerce fuel uh, forums too. And so this will be pretty hardcore e-commerce. Most of them probably have a variety of business models. They're either drop shipping, uh, running their own products, private labeling, or things of that sort. So hardcore e-commerce guys, uh, this is probably the one you want to go to. And Smart Marketer, uh, for Ezra Firestone, obviously he is an e-commerce guy too, but looking at the sales page, they'll be talking about Amazon, direct marketing, uh, content marketing, social media, YouTube. So it seems more broad in the sense that, you know, any business can go where, you know, as long as you're online, uh, kind of whatever you get there will be helpful. So probably not as e-commerce focused, but definitely the angles there. So, and I'm sure no matter which event you go to, you'll get a ton of value out of all of them. So if you do go, uh, let me know how it turns out and I'll link to each sales page on this post. And uh, yeah, uh, let me know uh, how it goes. So uh, with that being said, let's just get into this week's episode. Don't deliver products, deliver an experience. You're listening to the Build My Online Store podcast and I'm your host, Terry Lynn. We're here to talk about running an online store and building a strong e-commerce brand to take your online store to the next level. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to check us out at buildmyonlinestore.com. Let's get on with the show. Traditionally, PR firms charge startups $10,000 a month with a six-month retainer. This is in Silicon Valley, New York, and um, a $60,000 cost is, is way too much for most startups to handle. 
But even more than that, I felt like there were a lot of misconceptions about PR in general and the media. So if you talk to a lot of your friends and say, how can I get on a site like TechCrunch? Um, a lot of people would say, hey, the only reason, the only way you can do that is if you know, you're, you're friends with one of the journalists, as an example. And a lot of those statements aren't true. I've tested these things over and over again. And having written for VentureBeat, I, could, I can kind of say that from uh, kind of firsthand experience as well. There needed to be someone to just kind of provide a lot of this information and like to, to startups and entrepreneurs in general. A lot of people think you just get on TechCrunch and then that's the end of the world, right? <laughs> and then you're, you're set, right? But I don't think that's most of the case doesn't happen. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one thing that I find tricky with that model is that say you sign a six month retainer with an agency, like, well, how do you determine the value? Like, are there metrics they abide by or do you even know it's going to work or is it just like a shot in the dark? It really depends on a company by company basis, depending on the product, if how many new clients you brought in, how much new traffic to the website, benefits that you should try to determine, things like, I actually think PR is a secret weapon for SEO. So when you have a site like a TechCrunch, that's you know, PageRank 8 linking to you, it, it, um, it's, it's really going to help with search traffic. The, the model that I introduced with Publicize was that as opposed to a six-month retainer, it's month-to-month. And as opposed to, to $10,000 a month, it's $499. Uh, we actually give discounts if we believe a company has less, lesser chance. No matter what, if you're charging a company $10,000 a month, it's, it's, it's pretty challenging to provide an ROI on that. Yeah, there was a quote by Seth Godin. He says, uh, advertising is the price you pay for not being exceptional, right? And I think, I think if a company has like a great product, like say like Dropbox, like, I mean, we, we kind of just tell our friends to sign up and then it kind of grows itself, right? Whereas like if you have a, you know, a crappy product, maybe no one will share it, then it can, is that something like bad PR can fix too or? I guess the way I look at it is kind of like, um, so let's say you really wanted to go to Harvard, Harvard University, and you get like great grades. And, and, but at the end of the day, they only accept a thousand students. You're one of a talent pool of like 15,000 students that are just as qualified, but like, you know, they're only accepting a thousand. So like even kind of a larger pool in that pool, getting them featured in there because um, it's not just PR, but I think distribution in general is something that entrepreneurs don't pay enough attention to. So like, I have a lot of friends who are developers and anyone who's a fan of like Hacker News, there's this big development community. And what tends to happen is you get some really talented developers building a product for like three or six months and then you ask them how they're going to find distribution and they say something like, uh, oh, it's going to go viral. And, uh, and that tends not to happen. So I actually think PR can really help in those situations. Kind of two things. PR is something that anyone can do and be successful at and you don't need to hire any company, let alone a $10,000 a month firm. And the second thing is to kind of take away some of these misconceptions. So there are a lot of people who, let's say, are based, uh, let's say, in Asia, and they want to get on TechCrunch or VentureBeat, and they feel like they need to be friends with these people, but they, you know, they have no way to get in contact with them. Uh, that's actually a false assumption, and uh, you don't need to be friends with journalists to be featured on these top sites. So what are journalists looking for, then? A good story? or It's kind of the best way to describe it is kind of the process of how you should get featured on these sites. So I'll give you an example. When I was at VentureBeat, um, I had a lot of friends come to me in New York and they would say, Connor, uh, can you please write about my company? I'd say, sure. You know, my friend, what do you have to announce? And they would say, we don't have anything to announce. And I would say, hey, you know, you're my friend, but if you don't have anything to announce, then I can't write a story because there's no story to write about. The, the kind of the first thing that's important for all entrepreneurs to understand is that they need to have something to announce to be featured on, let's say, a TechCrunch or a Time, et cetera. And people would then ask, well, what, what are good announcements? And traditionally, for new, for new companies, they're going to have the following. Probably in, let's say, day one, they announce their launch. Let's say 10 or 12 weeks later, they might uh, announce a small angel round. So they raise 100000 They try to get, um, get that on you know, Mashable or TechCrunch. 10 to 12 weeks later, they might launch a mobile application. 
or maybe they hit a milestone of 100,000 users. Um, and maybe 10 weeks later, they launch a new product. So your goal with PR is at each of these announcements to try to optimize your PR as much as possible. And, and that's really important because most people, when they write journalists, they just say, as opposed to saying, hey, I'm about to launch my company. Do you want to cover the launch? They say something like, hey, I'm the founder of XYZ. Will you cover the company? Without even stating a specific announcement to cover. I, I hope that makes sense. Gotcha. So, so, if I, so like things like I'm hiring someone in the industry or whatever, these are kind of like things you can use as a reason to say we have an announcement too, right? It should be some type of accomplishment. Let's say you were working on this company and you brought in a new CEO who was like an established executive. So that's kind of an accomplishment and you could try to get PR for that. As opposed to if you're saying like, hey, I'm looking for a marketing executive, like that, that in and of itself probably wouldn't be newsworthy. So would this work for like, say, like a small business owner too, when they approach general uh, journalists too? Like, it's like, is the... I have an announcement thing pretty much applicable, like an 80-20 for most cold approaches? or Absolutely. And, uh, and, and that kind of leads into the next thing that I really recommend. And it's something called an exclusive. Let's say you decide, okay, I'm, you're launching a new startup. And uh, you're like, I want to get this featured. It's, let's say it's in the tech industry, although every industry has its own publications. That, but if you want to focus on tech, you're probably going to look at TechCrunch, Mashable, VentureBeat, etc. You say, okay, we're about to launch in next Tuesday, and we're going to email all these publications to get covered. When you email TechCrunch, they know that you're emailing like 50 or 100 other publications to try to get as much coverage. So it's, it's hard because if you're a TechCrunch writer and you're getting like you know, 700 emails every day to try to respond to each one. So a way that you can separate yourself from the crowd is to use something called an exclusive. And that means that they have first right to cover the story. And, and that's something that very easily a journalist will say, oh, well, of course, I would rather choose an exclusive that I'm breaking the story as opposed to sharing the story with, you know, 50 other publications. Gotcha. Because sometimes you have these general PR blasts, right? Like I think there's a service like PR Web, it's just like a vanilla blast rather than being like a sniper where you just go to one publication and be like, hey, do you guys want this? Yeah. And actually, you brought up a really good point um, about PR Web. So one of the things that's really important is that if you want coverage, you have to email the journalist. That's how they get stories. So a lot of people, they'll use something like PR Newswire or PR Web and the, uh, these syndication sites. The syndication sites, basically, they, you, know, you add this press release and they just, it broadcasts it to many areas. I've never known a journalist from like TechCrunch or VentureBeat to be like, oh, I just saw this interesting story on PR Web and we want to cover it. Almost half the stories that we covered were emailed to tips at VentureBeat.com every day. So most people and most sites have these tips for stories. And, and most entrepreneurs think like, oh, well, you, they're never going to read it. Why should I even send it? But those stories do get read every single day. PR Web, the only problem I have with it is that it can be a little misleading. So if you get featured, let's say PR Web distributes to Yahoo Finance, it's not like that's when you visit Yahoo Finance, you see the press release. You know, it's like probably 10 links back that no one ever views. As opposed to, I think the goal of PR is that you want to be you know, on the front page of these publications because you want, in the end, a lot of people to see it and, and to visit and you know buy buy your product. Gotcha. So, so let's go into sending emails to journalists. And so when you're sending the email to a journalist, like how should I construct the email? Should it be like just like really short to the point, or like because no one wants to read like four paragraph emails, right? So like, what are the key elements you want to include in like an email to a journalist? Yeah, it's really important to journalists that you lead with social proof, and with that, you should have one one or two facts about yourself that can really differentiate. So as an example, if I were emailing Mashable. Um, I, I would say something like, hi, my name is Connor Degusa. I'm a former VentureBeat writer, and this is what I'm launching. 
Um, what, what you see a lot happen is entrepreneurs email TechCrunch and they'll say something like, hi, my name is Tom. I am a bootstrapped entrepreneur. And the problem with that is there are probably 50 million, if not more, bootstrapped entrepreneurs. So it doesn't really differentiate yourself. So I think it's really important that, that any entrepreneur they're reaching out find out what's really unique about yourself. And this is often education. So if you attended you know, Oxford or Harvard, that really stands out where you used to work. So for you, it could be you know former UBS investment banker. So people would be like, oh, wow, former user, like that, that means something, you know, only really, you know, ambitious, bright people usually pursue that route. Uh, but, but one thing that's important is you don't necessarily need to have these amazing qualifications. So there's a company, um, he was a retired insurance executive who was 65 years old. So that's what I told him to lead with. Don't say, uh, say, hey, I'm a 65 year old founder. And, and a lot of these publications wanted to write about him because that's really unique and special. Yeah, he's 65 and kind of like you don't really see that many guys at his age you know, start a business. Absolutely. So it's really important just to each person that they kind of think of just one or two things that really, really kind of differentiate the, the person. What if it's like something like sales figures or like product uniqueness? Would that be something that I can get by too? Like say, hey, I make something made in the USA. It's the only exclusive thing in the market. Like would that lead a social proof or would you advise something more personal? It depends. There, there are ways you can lead with numbers that are really impressive. I would say there's the biggest thing. It has to be unique. There are a hundred other thousand companies who could use the same quality you probably should find something a little more unique to the specific company. All right, cool. So uh, I guess the three things you mentioned were one, uh, kind of social proof, and then two, kind of exclusivity, and then three, uh, something to announce too, right? Is there anything I'm missing from this kind of trifecta right here? One of the things that's really important with the announcement is, um, uh, is to make it seem as large as possible. So what happens with a lot of entrepreneurs is they some say something like, hey, I'm about to launch uh, this new e-commerce store. And, uh, and here are kind of the specific features of the e-commerce store. When you email a journalist, they're going to visit the site. They're going to they're going to kind of get a feel for the features of it. That's not really particularly interesting. What's really interesting is when I try to, to tell people is, do you know when you're about to go to the gym or you're about to fall asleep? You know how you kind of daydream about where you're going to take your companies in like three years that you're going to have like you know, X amount of employees or like, you know, it's going to be so large that, that when you're daydreaming about where you want to take the company, that's what you should talk about. Because that's what's really interesting, like the kind of the ambition of what, where the, the entrepreneur wants to take it. Um, so I always try to emphasize to entrepreneurs that, you know, focus on the big story of where you want to take it. Gotcha. So that's why like whenever I read these TechCrunch articles, I'm like, hey, this new startup is looking to disrupt A, B, and C. So it's like that thing you're talking about, right? Yeah, absolutely. As an example, I um, I mentioned I, I spent time in Medellin, Colombia. If, if you Google search Medellin Espacio, it's a co-working space I, I launched here. And uh, we got on TechCrunch, Financial Times, BBC, uh, a few others. And uh, when you think about it, like if, if I was launching a co-working space, like those get launched every single day. That's not really exciting. Uh, I could have said like, hey, this is going to have X number of desks or, you know, it's going to be X the size. But, but that's not really interesting. What was interesting is, hey, we're launching this thing to, to help turn the city into the Silicon Valley of Latin America. That was kind of the big story that I tied it into and why I was getting a lot of traction, why I was it able to be picked up. So that's really what I kind of emphasize to all entrepreneurs is like really find the big mission and story that you can tie your startup into. All right, so uh, say we sent the mail to the journalist. Um, you know, are these hit rates usually pretty low or what's like the response rate kind of you've seen across the board? It, it completely depends, but you should, I mean, the good thing about offering an exclusive is that 
you can, you can test it. So you could say, okay, on Monday, I'm going to email this journalist at TechCrunch. On Tuesday, I'm going to email Mashable. And you could see kind of the responses and whether they, they agreed to the exclusive or not. And after two weeks, you can say, okay, no one responded. Like, let me go back to the pitch and try to like revise it or refine it to make it better. What's the response time for most journalists? Like, do they, are they always on their email or like, do they take like a day or two? Because like the last thing people hate doing is that they email and you never get a response and you don't even know what's going on and you assume it went to a black hole, right? Probably one to two days if, if you haven't heard a response then. But, but one of the things is be kind of pleasantly persistent. So when you send a following email and say something like, I, I would recommend saying, um, hi, I wanted to send a quick follow-up on my email. Um, I know you're really busy. If you don't have, to have the chance to respond, you know, th- thanks so much for your time and your name. And saying something like that, it's kind of respectful. It's a you know a nice follow-up. And sending that at least once, I think, is really important. Once once it kind of passes their Gmail, um, they they kind of forget about it. And it's it's I recommend at least one follow-up. Yeah, it's more like a reminder rather than being, hey man, you didn't read my email. Like, what's going on? And <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. Uh, so I guess uh, once they say, so say I got like a journalist who agreed to write my story. What's like the, what does the timeline look like then? Like, because usually they don't publish right away. Like I've done some guest posts. They usually have like a publication schedule. Like what does that look like on most backends? Um, ideally what they're going to say is, uh, Terry, we're going to publish a story on, you know, a Wednesday around 12 o'clock. And um, one of the things I, I want to emphasize is that um, almost expect them to be at least a day late. That, that's really normal. Instead of pu- publishing on Wednesday, they'd publish it on Thursday. Ideally, what your goal should be is, you know, let's say TechCrunch says, you know, Terry, we're we're gonna we're excited about the launch of the of your company. We're gonna cover it Wednesday at twelve o'clock. The article comes online, and then you should email and try to further the coverage as much as possible by emailing hundreds of other publications. So medium-sized tech publications like Tech Cocktail, like uh, like Beta Beta News, etc. More industry verticals as well. So if let's say you launch a mobile health app, like that that integrates with technology, but that also integrates with health and fitness and all these other publications in these other verticals. I would say one to two weeks to try to further the coverage as much as possible because the news cycles is inevitably going to kind of move over into the next story after. The order in which you email publications should be, um, it has to be specific because some publications are more time sensitive than others. So as an example, let's say you get featured on, uh, on TechCrunch. Really, you have 48 hours to email other tech publications that are very, very time sensitive. Then after that, I would say the next, let's say two to four to five days, you can email, uh, kind of going back to the mobile health area, you could email publications in the health industry because they're not as uh, time sensitive as you know, TechCrunch or VentureBeat. And then after that, there are a lot of more general news publications that don't care as much about breaking the story, but rather tying it into larger themes. A general news publication could be something like a Wall Street Journal. And you could still email those, those people days after, and, uh, and it could still work for that. The thing that I see about PR that I think is helpful is that um, it provides a level of social proof. Let's say, for example, Terry, you are an investor, or you are reaching out to an investor. Um, if you just said, hey, my name's Terry, and uh, you know, I'm founding this company, I wanted to know if you want to invest. The investor might say, hey, I don't really know who you are. I'm not really interested. But as opposed to if you said, hi, my name's Terry. I'm launching this startup. You know, we just got some tech, co- tech crunch coverage here. If you want to see, you know, would, would you be free to talk? Because only the top maybe 1% of companies are featured on these publications, it really enables you to differentiate yourself very quickly. Yeah, so PR is more of like kind of like a suit of shining armor for most businesses, right? Like it's like a nice 
it's like an extra push in the social proof area. From my experience with PR, it underperforms in the short short term and it outperforms in the long term. When the New York Times visit Medellin, like they reached out to me, is because of the TechCrunch article. So there, but that I couldn't see that benefit until six months after the article came online. Yeah, so so you're you're more, it's more like you're planting seeds, right? Because I think like when you get on like say New York Times, uh, BBC, whatever, like even say you're selling medical apps, like those probably aren't the right customers in the beginning, right? But it's the kind of seed they plant down the road that you can get more traction. That's where the value is at. Yeah, I mean, I think that that helps a bunch, and it's probably like anything, it's similar to if you raised. Uh, a million dollars, people would say like, wow, you know, he's kind of known as the person who's able to raise that much money. Uh, same like if you were get, able to be featured on the Wall Street Journal, they would kind of identify you with that, which I, which I think can help. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, that's over the long term type of thing you should focus on. So uh, one thing some people have been kind of talking about in my circles is like independent PR agents, kind of like I've seen a couple guys on like Odesk or Elance. Like are the, what are, what's the deal with these guys? Like, because I think traditionally you have the big agency and then you kind of have these freelancers. Like, is there something I'm missing or? Yeah. From my, from my experience talking to with working with other uh, entrepreneurs, I, I don't think they have the best experience working with independent agencies, but, but I think it, it, it's completely a case by case scenario. If I were to, to potentially choose an independent PR agency to work with, I think the very first thing I'd say is, hey, here's my company. And like, can you walk me through what exactly you want to do? And I think if they didn't have a really tangible and also how their prior experience and like, uh, like if they had case studies of other clients they'd work with kind of applies to that specific to your company. So it would be like if they've had similar customers like me. Uh, or have a proven track record of delivering. Exactly, and, and I'd probably say something like this. Okay, so we, okay, well, what do you recommend for a PR strat- strategy? Can, I, can you give me these tangible steps? Because the, I use the term deconstructing PR, and, and the reason why I use that is if you're a company and you're like, I really want to work on PR right now. It's not like PR is this button where it's like, oh, I just got to push this PR button more to like work harder, you know? It's like P- PR, it's just, it's a series of steps that can be deconstructed. So, okay, uh, let's craft the story. Okay, let's, as an example, find an exclusive for TechCrunch. After, let's further the coverage as much as possible. Like, those are all really tangible steps. If I were working with an independent aid agency, I would say, hey, like, talk me through the individual steps. And I think as any founder, it's kind of your responsibility to have some type of understanding of what they're going to do. Um, otherwise, I think it could probably backfire. So, so you're saying that the founder needs to have the story, but the PR guy kind of does the distribution, or uh, I don't. I wouldn't say they need to know the story, but rather the founder needs to have some understanding of the steps that the PR agency is doing. So, as an example, if the founder shouldn't say like, "Oh, the PR agency is just doing PR work," because what does like PR work mean? But as opposed to if the founder said, "Okay, well, the PR firm is securing an exclusive right now with the press release that the company crafted." Well, that's like a really tangible step. Let's say, I think that kind of applies to all marketing though. Like whether it's like social media, okay, well, like deconstructing social media, that could be something like posting on Twitter a certain amount of times every time every day or whatever it may be. Yeah, so bringing it into something tangible that can be measured, right? Otherwise, if you're just saying, hey, press this red button, well, how do you know if this button's working, right? <laughs> absolutely, no, absolutely. Cool, cool. All right, and so where can we find you online? Um, let me see, I guess LinkedIn, I use the most, Conrad Yusa, and, and publicize.co as well. Oh, cool, and is there like a Twitter handle we can reach you at, or an email? Yeah, just just my name, Conrad Yusa, for Twitter, and uh, my email is Conrad at publicize.co. Cool, awesome, very cool. All right, thanks, Conrad. Thanks for joining us today, and uh, we'll keep in touch. Uh, thanks so much for the time. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Build My Online Store podcast. If you want the show notes, make sure to check out the website at buildmyonlinestore.com. If you've got an e-commerce store, every two weeks I lead a live mastermind call with about five or six of the listeners in two separate groups where we work openly together and solve a business problem that you have. And we're all there to support each other. So if this sounds like your cup of tea, make sure to check us out at buildmyonlinestore.com slash mastermind. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch up with you guys next week.